This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Ubiquitous web technology like WordPress opens up a world of opportunities for entrepreneurs in every conceivable sector, yet even user-friendly tools require implementation and customization assistance from qualified developers. In this episode, we talk with Gun.io client Ariane Mizarafi-Ahi, a biology and e-learning entrepreneur, about the difficulties of finding a great developer as a non-technical founder. Ariane talks through the challenges and the Socratic approach he took to overcome them so he could focus on growing his content business. Ariane, thanks for joining us. Really great to have you on. Thank you for having me. Could you give a little background, just your story, so the listeners could get to know you and and where you're coming from? Sure. So I'm the founder of the A-Level Biologist, Your Hub, um, which is a website for A-Level Biology students, primarily targeted at students in the United Kingdom. Uh, And since 2011, it's been inspiring over five generations of life science students in the UK uh, and collaborated with schools and teachers um, the A-Level Biologist is the first, best, and only A-Level Biology Hub in the world. Excellent. You've got your pitch down. I like that a lot. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I couldn't miss the opportunity, could absolutely, I? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I should state for the record that, that you are a client of ours at, at Gun.io and that you know we've shared a lot of the stories that we thought would be interesting for the audience uh, about you know your your trials and tribulations, shall we say, of launching a technology business, working with remote developers, you know, when you're not a technical founder, you're a scientist and an educator. And, you know, I think that that that's really important because there are a lot of people who need these enabling technologies for their businesses and want to know better how to procure them. And so Mm -hmm. if if you could, you know, tell some of those stories, I know there's some, some good parts and some, some not good parts, but, you know, maybe distill down those lessons because, you know, there's endless blog posts, right. About how to hire a developer and all that stuff. I wonder what was true and what was not true. And, um, you know, the, the lessons learned that you could share. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So you're right. I don't really have an actual technology background. Um, I started my website myself on the old Google sites and I was focusing on the content and it was a multi-year process. Um, I was always interested in tech at a sort of amateur level. I remember when I was a kid, I actually use MySpace and I wanted to get my custom themes. So I'd go on these websites and you know, you, you just, you get the code, you see what the theme looks like and you just have to add it to your profile. Um, and (laughs) I wish this wasn't a true story, but I actually, I wasn't really aware of the fact that I could select the code and paste it into my profile. So I took a piece of paper and I wrote down the code <laughs> on one page of A4 and then the second page of A4. And I thought if I get one of these characters wrong, it's not going to work. <laughs> and after a while, I discovered copy and paste. <laughs> so my world changed. And I was just always into just trying things out and just, just figuring things out. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And it was easy enough because it was just focusing on building the content. And after a while, it... I realized that it became really popular and I thought, okay, this could actually be like a real legit thing. 
Um, the problem was that I picked pretty much the worst possible host that ever existed in the old Google sites because there was absolutely no customization available. There were no options for anything. I, I couldn't do anything. I remember I added some ad blocks and then after a while they decided they were not going to allow that anymore. So there was, there was just no way for me to do anything. And I had affiliates approaching me to put their content on my website. Uh, and there was, there was very limited uh, potential for what could be done. And then I thought I didn't want to have affiliates anymore. I wanted to do my own thing and customize it the way I wanted to and not rely on affiliates for anything. Um, and realized that I just, I couldn't do that on that platform. So there was no easy migration tool either. So it was going to be a really arduous manual thing that needed to be done on over 500 pages. And, <laughs> and it's still a work in progress. And I think um, my experiences with working with different people, you know, I think the main thing was I thought this sounded like something that should have been relatively straightforward and doable. And it turned out to be verging on impossible <laughs> to me it just seemed like this is straightforward enough what's so difficult about that you know i see loads of websites everywhere this is clearly doable it's real it exists why should it be so difficult to achieve that um and unfortunately with in my experience with the different developers that i'd worked with there was this lack of being able to gauge whether they were able, they would be able to accomplish those various tasks, and also um, with some, with the worst ones, there was a sense of them wanting to tell me that they could do it, even when they couldn't and weren't going to and wouldn't do it, and I didn't understand why they would do that because all I wanted was just the honesty of saying. This can be done. This can't be done. This is going to take a month. This is going to take a year. And I just could not find that. And I was just getting increasingly frustrated with what seemed to be a huge swathe of very unprofessional experience that I found myself having. Um, so that was the, the negative side of it. And it, 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 was, it was not just the fact of not making progress. It was also ruining the things that had already been okay in the past. <laughs> so it was a case of one step forward, 10 steps back, five steps forward, three steps back and thinking, am I even getting anywhere with this? Um, so a lot of things that had to be fixed and then having to kind of trace my steps back and think, okay, what, what was I going to do to begin with? What am I actually trying to achieve that isn't just being derailed uh, because of these issues. So, um, you know, I've been able to clean up those issues now and, and, and also issues that I wasn't aware of. The unknown unknowns where there was this uh, parallel staging site that hadn't been taken down and then got hacked. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so to find that, to fix that, and then to actually focus on building the positive elements that, you know, that are actually the main focus of the whole thing. And it all comes down to, it sounds to me like just you need to be able to evaluate the talent. And really that's like any job, right? It's just that if you're hiring somebody in a space you understand, 
um, that's going to be a lot easier. Like you would know right away that I don't know anything about biology, right? Um, and and yet, you know, I think we've been trained as as entrepreneurs because I've been in the same situation. Uh, we've been trained to think that somehow we can figure out how to hire talent of all varieties by, you know, just sort of, I don't know, gutting it out. And and yet with technologists, I don't think that's the case. And I'd also say that there's a level of, um, you can probably measure the professionalism of somebody, but the ability to do the technical things, it's, it's very much like hiring, um, you know, a car mechanic or, you know, an engineer or whatever it is. Like I wouldn't know the difference. And I imagine that's, that's really frustrating. Um, how did you ultimately solve, you know, that, that vetting problem to, to get to the right place? I think, um, with the experiences that I was having, um, I sort of thought that I, I sort of trusted that those professionals, I, I thought that, um, you know, I trusted what was written on the tin and, I thought, okay, well, this is what it says on the label, so that's what must be on the inside. <laughs> so I just ended up opening the tin and thinking, okay, no, this is not what I expected. And opening another one, this is also not what I expected. But that process took quite a lot of time because I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt and give things a shot without, you know, there was no way for me in the beginning to know that it was not going to work out. And then Later on, I started having my doubts and I became more suspicious and less trusting. Um, but I would still think, okay, you know, that was a bad experience or maybe, you know. And then after all of that, I sort of started picking out these patterns and these trends of, okay, if people say this or if I use this platform or if I'm having this experience then that's a red flag and I should trust that that's a red flag and I should just save myself the hassle. And so I thought instead of assuming that most professionals would definitely be able to do certain things and I, and it didn't matter which one in particular I picked, I sort of thought, okay, actually, let's just say a lot of them are not going to deliver what I think they would. And so I, what I'm actually looking for is, is uh, a, a niche, a narrow segment of these people who are going to actually get this thing done. Um, what I assumed w was supposed to be relatively reliable and accessible and easy turned out to be unreliable and inaccessible and difficult. So I specifically started searching for the highest level available with the most superlative terms, you know, the best WordPress developers for me uh, in this situation and really just searching for those apparently few people who can actually get the things that I envision done as opposed to people who are just professionally, essentially in a way, lying to me about it. Um, and I bumped into you guys. So that's kind of where I, where I got to. And then we should say we did not invite you on for a commercial, but we appreciate that, <laughs> that we are at the end of that, that Google search. And, it, you know, I think this resonates a lot with, with our own experience because, you know, we, we get literally thousands of applicants to our platform. 
you know, all the time. And um, I can tell you that that last year, you know, less than 200 people were were let in. And and we go through, you know, these elaborate um, interview cycles and, you know, reviewing code and, and code tests and reference checks to make sure that, you know, previous clients had a great experience with with the person. And, and that's just a lot of work. And I don't know that there's any other way around it that, you know, really in the same way, no one has figured out how to stamp out startups and have them always be successful, you know, without just a lot of work and experimentation. I think the same thing happens from, you know, just evaluating technical talent, because not only do we need to understand that they're a high-end professional and that they communicate well and, you know, all those things and, that, you know, they have high integrity and character traits, but we also need to make sure that they actually know how to write the code because I can have high integrity and not be able to, to write code. Now, of <laughs> course, you would hope that the higher integrity person would come in and say, I have no idea how to do that, you know, so I'm not going to take yeah. your money. Um, and it, maybe it, I don't know, you know, maybe it, it does take, um, an intermediary just to help out with that, you know, when, when the distance between your skill sets are, are so large. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think you're right about those sort of different um, skill sets having to come together because I, I sort of worked with people who nailed one aspect of it and just came across really well but over time turned out to really not be able to meet the standard required for that work. Um, and then, you know, the worst case scenario where they just don't meet anything where it is unprofessional. Also, it's, it's not coming through with anything. And, um, I mean, I would much rather have the job done and maybe not so much conversation or, or not so much explanation because at the end of the day, I need someone to do something that I can't do. And as long as they can do it, I don't really care. You know, I don't really even need to know how they did it. <laughs> but I can, I can see at the end of the day whether, whether it's been done or not. Yeah, and, and you're, you're in the seat of the entrepreneur. You, know, you want to grow a business. You want to make money. You want to serve your customers, launch product. And this critical element stands in the way because that's your entire delivery mechanism. It's like if Amazon had no way to deliver product, it doesn't matter how good your warehouse is, right? Um, so let me ask you the last question. Let me ask you the flip side of the question, you know, so as the, as the buyer of the technology, what have you learned to do better and communicate better? So what have you learned about communicating your vision so that it's not wishy-washy because the developers might say, you know, well, I don't really know what a client wants because he or she can't explain it very well. So um, if you turn the lens on yourself, then as the, as the buyer, what have you learned really works when you're trying to communicate what you want? Let me tell you, I have drawn so many schemes and diagrams and lists and repeated them in different ways and uh, have tried to be so creative with communicating these various sometimes quite abstract concepts. And especially for those things that probably have you know a right word for them but I wouldn't know it <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of situations of, 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 of where I try to be as creative as possible with that and of course working with different people they have their own expectations and their own communication so I have to kind of adapt to whatever they're using and they also have to adapt to you know to whatever I'm using I've, I've always been very flexible with that so that there, so that that doesn't become a barrier. Uh, but what, what became a sort of pattern over time 
that I noticed in doing this multiple times was that even though I would have my own master plan of all the different things, I would have to just really expect that some of those would fall through or some of those would be overlooked or some of those would be misunderstood and really just have a very sharp focus on just one thing, just one thing that was going to be the focus and nothing else. Uh, and then know what was going to come after that. And so prioritizing also comes in. Um, if, if I, if my, if my overall uh, purpose was to change something up, but there was already a bug or there was already an issue that really needed to be prioritized, I would kind of have to kind of hold my horses and um, just put that on a back burner until the most urgent thing actually gets fixed because I'll be tempted to assume, oh, that thing will have been fixed next week or next month, but without it actually being done for sure, <laughs> I could never really rely on that. So a sort of, uh, I had to sort of practice my, my, um, my timing and my priori prioritizing and expectations so that I would know at this time, this is what's being done. And even though I would like 10 more things to be done, this is what's being done now. And those are the things I'm just going to have to wait. Um, and, and it's also good because it forces me to really prioritize and it forces me to really um, think of all the practical things, uh, spend less time in the in, uh, envisioning activity and more time in the um, sort of the reality of the present moment um, activity. And, and, and of course, one hopefully uh, becomes, you know, one sort of um, treads into the other, um, like the color spectrum of yellow to red in so many different shades that you don't even notice the change. So yes, maybe we're doing um, something very tedious right now, but after 10 or 20 tedious things, all of a sudden that big thing has happened before you even realize it. So um, I've sort of, um, that's kind of how I see it now. And um, I, I still have all those lists and, and diagrams and things, but I, 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 I mostly keep them to myself. I don't necessarily share them because I think, well, actually, maybe this tool is for me. For me, it's more helpful than, than for anyone else. Um, and what I present to the, other, to the other person is just a digestible chunk, a little step, a little shade on that spectrum rather than the whole picture. I love that. You know, you really, I don't even know if you know this, but you just articulated very much the the central ideas of of agile and that you know that's in fact what people have learned from from doing you know the experiential learning of software development is you know you just have to go in little steps and you need to have a prioritized list and sometimes the bugs and what we would call the technical debt you know just has to rise to the top because because we have dependencies and we need to fix that so um mm -hmm. you know on the one hand i lament that you spent such great deal of time, energy, and, and your sanity on learning that. On the other hand, I can tell you that those lessons will serve you well as, you know, an entrepreneur who will probably go on and do other, you know, technically enabled businesses, if mm -hmm. not technical businesses yourself. So I, I think that's really great for our technologist audience to hear that, um, you know, sometimes we get 
trap in the dogma of agile and just we start spouting out the rules as if they were always written in time but these things were discovered uh, by real people who were trying to achieve real results with software and it's neat to hear you say that you know as and i think as an educator it probably comes a little more naturally to you to uh to spout out that lexicon so very cool to have your insights so uh give one more what shout out to the website, uh, particularly anybody who is a parent or student in the UK is going to care about this. The website is the A-Level Biologist, your hub at the A-Level Biologist.co.uk and the A-Level Biologist podcasts um, is available on iTunes. The A-Level Biologist, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.